housing for the aged action group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, Housing for the Age Action Group's fortnightly show on 3CR, everything about older people and housing issues. Today, I'm in the studio by myself because my co-host Shane is unwell, so you'll just have to listen to me today. We have a really great interview coming up with a resident of the public housing estate down in Port Melbourne that's due for redevelopment. But before we go into that interview, I wanted to say that it is 3CR's subscriber drive. So 3CR, as you should all know, relies on the support of listeners like yourselves to keep going. Um, It's a not-for-profit community organisation. It's run by volunteers. It's run by a volunteer committee of management. And it has really a great need to have regular subscriptions to keep that going. And this year, their goal is to get to 1,000 new subscribers in 2022, which is pretty incredible um, effort to go for. So if you're listening today and you think that you might like to put your savings um, somewhere really worthwhile, perhaps you can consider subscribing to 3CR and you can do that in a bunch of different ways. They try to make it as easy as possible for people. Obviously, if you're on the internet, you can jump onto the 3CR website, which is 3cr.org.au slash subscribe. Or if the internet's not your jam, you want to do something else, you can always give them a call on the good old phone. And the phone number for that is 03 9419 8377. So if you've never subscribed before, you do get subscriber benefits and you also get the biggest benefit of doing something fantastic for the community and community radio. So consider doing that during the month of February and see if we can hit our target. It'd be pretty awesome. Okay, so now we're going to go into the interview that I just did with one of the residents of Port Melbourne and you can hear all about what's going down on that estate down there. So we'll just go into that interview now. Okay, so we're joined today in the studio by Margaret Kelly, who is a resident of a Port Melbourne public housing estate. How are you going today, Margaret? Good, thank you, Fiona. That's great to hear. Now, we've got you on today to talk a little bit about what's happening um, down there on your estate. So before we start, would you be able to tell us a little bit about um, about the Barrack Boulevard estate? Okay, well, I've lived here for 22 years. Um, it's a really nicely designed estate. It's um, two and three-storey low-rise buildings um, and it's been designed so that every unit is a little bit different from the others so it's a little bit quirky and a bit unusual. Um, It's a very peaceful, pleasant place to live. People tend to stay here um, so you get to know people. And it's Uh, it's right close to the beach too, isn't it? It is now. 
It used to be right close to the retaining wall, but they've built a beach since then, which uh, when I moved here, um, I actually thought I'd been dropped on the moon because (laughs) there was a great empty wasteland going from my place to the station pier, um, and that has since been built on. Yeah. Um, and it has a suburb of Beacon Cove there, and they've built beaches to go with that. Um, so, yeah, but when I moved here, there was um, just a retaining wall that went down to Sandridge Beach. Um, but it was very nice. You know, I thought it was the best-kept secret in Melbourne, actually. It sounds um, like but it seems like somebody's let the secret out now. It's a shame. So there's you've lived there for 22 years, and my understanding is that there's a, quite a few people that have kind of lived there, they've grown their kids up there, been there for quite a long time. Is, is, that, is that right? Yes, yes. It's always been a pretty stable community. Um, so there is a whole range of people living here, including older people who have raised families here. Yeah. Um, which is my case, um, but we also have young families with children and couples and, you know, the whole range of people. Yeah. And it's been very nice because I've seen, you know, children go from babies to teenagers and, um, yeah, that's pleasant. And so you all kind of know each other's neighbours and you look out for each other and, and, and yeah, that, that kind of a state. Yes, yes, it really is. And, you know, there is an amazing diversity of people living here. But nevertheless, it, it's really peaceful, you know. Um, like people just kind of get, get along and, um, yeah. And so the government is planning on um, redeveloping this estate as part of their public housing renewal program. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about um, what you know of this and how you found out about it? Um, and, and, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what's, what, what you've heard. Okay. Um, I found out of it about it on the 13th of December. Um, I came home from my rehabilitation program at the gym and uh, so I was already feeling a bit exhausted and lightheaded and opened this letter and the first words that made sense is that you are to be relocated Um, and the picture that jumped into my mind was a friend of mine who would relocate nuisance possums to what he described as a better place. I haven't actually heard it applied to people before. Um, So that was a very great shock because there had been no discussion of it. Um, I found in the next few days that nobody local knew, not our council, not even our local housing office knew. Wow. Um, So obviously they had been planning it for a while because they kind of descended on the estate with this orchestrated manoeuvre going round and banging on doors. Um, but obviously they had not wanted to tell anybody up to that point for mm. what reason, I don't know. So, And it was very bad timing because it was 12 days before Christmas 
Um, and, well, I think most people would think that that was not a good thing to do 12 days before Christmas. But no. particularly for public housing tenants, it means that the organisations that you get support and advice for closed down over Christmas. Yeah. Um, so it was an extremely... By the time I had worked out who I needed to speak to, um, they were closing down, mm. you know. So it was a very uh, stressful time. And I found that sort of in, in the dark, really, for information, um, that, you know, it just became... I became more and more stressed. I bet. Over that time. And... Was there much information about what they're actually planning on doing apart from relocating the tenants? <laughs> no, they're, they're going to build things that are modern and sustainable and accessible and, oh, all sorts of other nice words. But apparently they don't actually have any plans at all. Um, you know, there's not been anybody appointed to do designs or anything. The first manoeuvre is to move the tenants out. Wow. Um, we got a five-page document and the only definite statement was that we were to be relocated. And have they given any sort of indication about where you'll be relocated to? Um I can't imagine. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of spare public housing lying around as far as I know. No. Um, and, well, my understanding is that they will be putting people in a variety of housing, including private rentals, that they will be subsidising. And I know in the case of one of the North Melbourne developments, they moved the tenants out in 2018 and they are still in temporary housing. And you've, um, and you've done some calculations, back of the envelope sort of calculations about yes. what... Yeah, what, 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 did you, what did you discover when you, when you put those sums together? Well, according to quotes that I believe were for, from Homes Victoria, they were going to spend $16,800 a day on, um, you know, subsidising rentals. So... We're now four years down the track. There is still not any housing on that side, so they will have paid out around $25 million putting people into temporary housing, which doesn't seem like a good way of spending the taxpayers' money to me. No, $25 million. And that's just for the... Is that just for the North Melbourne estate or is that what you... Yes. Th yeah, right. Okay. That, that is just for... Um, I think it's going to be called Molesworth. Oh, I don't know. There's a precinct there where I think they, they removed some older-style housing. Yeah. Um, and there's been all sorts of problems with the development. And apparently I've spoken to a tenant there and apparently the plans for the site have changed radically. The amount of housing has been reduced. Um, so they were pretty unhappy with what had happened. And this this uh, development down where you are, I'm assuming they're, they're going to allow you to come back once it's built. Is, is that what they're saying or you're not? Well, yes, they, they do say that we will have first 
choice of the available housing. Yeah. But then, once again, because we don't have any actual information from Homes Victoria about what they're going to build, but certainly on the other side, the the developments have been private with a small component of community housing. Yeah. Um, and those have been one- and two-bedroomed units. So we have some large families on this estate. Um, well, by today's standards, anyway, you know, families with three or four children. So I can't imagine that they will be able to come back here. Um, and certainly, you know, at the moment, I have a unit which has a garden that I'm very fond of. Um and I can't imagine what they're going to build will be in any way equivalent. And you'll lose your garden potentially too. Oh, I'm sure I'll lose my garden. I don't have any doubt about that mm. at all. And, you know, I am mostly housebound these days, so my garden and the little walks I can take by the sea and, you know, my neighbours, that's about the extent of my world. So, mm. um, you know, unless they're going to kind of relocate the whole community in one place somewhere else, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really comfortable because there seems to be a lot of um, adjectives, you know, but very few facts about what's going to happen. Yeah. And presumably it'll be a mixture of private and community housing, as they've said, in the other estate redevelopments as well, which yes. means, yeah, so it'll be a different type of community too when you come back to it. Yes, yes. It won't, there'll be no public housing here at all. Um, and that seems to be on all the redevelopments they're doing. They're replacing public housing with community housing, which you know, is a good option alongside public housing, but it's more expensive and less secure. Yeah. Um, and whilst they say at this point that they will continue to subsidise rent, so we'll always be public housing tenants, um, I have had previous experience of them changing their minds about such things a few years down the road. So, you know, I'm not super confident. Yeah that that would continue into the future. And what, what's been the reaction of, of the tenants down there and your neighbours? Um, a huge range of reactions, obviously. Yeah. Like, I think uh, there's probably 250 people living here. Um, there are some people that need to relocate because they need to be in a place without stairs or they want to be near family. And so this could actually be an opportunity for them to do that. Yeah. But for, for most people, it has been just a, a, a huge shock. Um, uh, like, I've, I've actually been really touched how fond people are of this place and how fond people are of their units. Mm. Um, and it's a bit of a mystery to me that um, 
Ben Rimmer from Homes Victoria was interviewed on the radio and said that they were not fit for purpose and not meeting the needs of the current tenants. I don't know who those tenants are. Most people seem pretty happy to be living here yeah. and pretty upset at the idea of, of these places being demolished. One person said if, if it wasn't so much that she had to move, it was the thought of this not being here for the next family that needs it. Mm. And I guess accessibility issues can be fixed in different ways too without yes. without necessarily kind of knocking it over. I mean, certainly, um, well, I think there have been people trying to get assistance with making their places more accessible and it's just basically been refused. Mm. So, um, you know, things as simple as having the bathroom on the same level as the kitchen. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that. There are some issues, but I believe that they could be fixed with very simple and not very expensive renovation. So yeah. demolish it just seems ridiculous. A bit excessive, <laughs> yes, to say the that's least. Right. Yeah. I, I keep on thinking of the Vietnam War thing of, you know, destroying the village to save it. Yeah. It must feel a little bit like that. And, and you would have seen a lot of change in Port Melbourne over the last 22 years. It's, you know, used to be a lot more, um, I guess, of a working class suburb and it's become yes. more gentrified over the years. Um, this, Do you think this is part of the push to gentrify the suburb? Like what, what's your, in terms of just big picture, what, what's, what impact do you think it's going to have on the broader community? Well, this is the last, affordable housing in this particular part of Port Melbourne. Mm. Um, we are across the road from the Garden City Estate, which was the first public housing that was built in Victoria. And this estate was actually built as an extension of that. Yeah, right. Um, and when I came to live here, Once I'd got over thinking I was on the moon, because it was a bit of a shock, it wasn't actually my first choice of where I wanted to live, Um, I was just, it was such a nice community. It is the only place I have lived in Melbourne where people help you carry your shopping home from the bus, you know? Yeah. Just that sort of feeling of other people being there for you. And it has changed very rapidly because of once Beacon Cove was built, suddenly people began to look at this, I guess, as a desirable area. I I found the speed of change just astonishing because when I first moved here, a couple of people quite seriously said to me, oh, you can't go and live there, you know, such a dangerous place. Yeah. which fortunately it wasn't, but now people say, oh, you live in such a nice area. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, well, the same area it always was. Um, Like, I don't know why it was considered not a good area before, and now it is, but um, 
you know, I just think uh, most of Garden City, um, most of that housing, because it was sold to tenants, is yeah. now in private hands. Um, so this is really the last bit of affordable housing around here, and I know particularly one family where we've got three generations living on the estate. Um, and, well, it just seems a very sad thing to lose. Um, but as I said, well, I have no idea what they're wishing to build here, but um, it certainly won't be the community that's here now. And it sounds to me like this is an example of what public housing is meant to be. It's well designed, it's it's the close-knit community, people are looking out for each other and accessible to public transport and it's got nice walks around with the coast right there. It seems a real shame to lose that kind of public asset for lower income people in exchange yes. for who knows what. Yes, who knows what exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's really not making a sense at all. And, you know, there has been no community consultation. Um, my understanding is that the state government has changed the rules, so there are no avenues for community consultation. Um, the local council has no say in what gets built here, um, which, well, I just think that's odd. Um, and yeah. So we hear that the tenants are starting to kind of mobilise around this issue. Um, I'm not sure if you're involved in any of that, but we'd be interested in having a chat to, to people who might be trying to sort of, I don't know, I guess, stop or change this redevelopment. Do, have you heard yeah. anything about about the tenant organising on, on the estate or is it still in its too early days? Um, well, it is happening. We did have quite a large tenants' meeting. Um, as you can imagine, organising things and communicating with everybody on the estate is quite a big job. Mm. Um, and one of the things I, I discovered early on is that there is no local... Um, you know, we used to have a local tenant support service. Yeah. Um, but apparently they've all been defunded. Um, so, you know, we are starting from scratch. We had a meeting um, with, well, a lot of tenants. I don't know how many attended. And from that, I, there was a committee formed because I have health issues. I can really only be peripherally involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we're all doing everything we can. I've written quite a few letters um, to people that all get sent to the Minister of Housing. Yeah. And they get passed on to this relocation team that we have on the estate, which is kind of missing the point, really. Yeah. Um, like, I, I just really... We, we have heard nothing sensible. You know, all we get is this not fit for purpose. And, yeah, obviously at this point I don't want to talk to the relocation team when I'm asking why and how come and mm. 
Yeah, it's like it's a done deal and, and the relocation team are the only ones that are, are kind of, you know, that they can direct people to, but actually you want an answer as to why it's happening at all. Yes, so I have written in a, uh, you know, to the department um, to Homes Victoria about the um, situation and particularly about the way it has been carried out and the extraordinarily level of stress that it's put on individual people mm. um, and asking them to roll back the process so we can actually have a conversation about this yeah. and, well, they just haven't responded. Uh, that was more than several weeks ago. So. And in the right. meantime, the um, social housing regulation review is open and one of the things that they're asking for public comment on is the idea of putting tenants in the centre and yet this seems to be happening um, kind of a little bit behind the scenes. It's a bit either ironic or cynical, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but um, it does seem to be a contradiction that one arm of department is is asking for public consultation to the independent panel reviewing the regulations and then the others are, are relocating tenants seemingly <laughs> against their will. So, yeah. The others are relocating tenants with a bulldozer. <laughs> That's right. It, yeah. You know, that the immediately after Christmas I understand that they were back at work trying to get people to sign transfer papers. Mm. And one of the things that I'm kind of concerned about is that... Um, you know, they don't seem to really be targeting their communications to the audience. So we get things with QV codes on them. Yeah. That you have to have a smartphone to, to actually understand what it's about at all. Um, you know, you'd think they could at least put a website address on it or something vaguely understandable. Yeah. And all, all the communication is in English and, well... I, I don't know the numbers, but I'd say probably a third of the estates speak English as an additional language, and that's been particularly stressful for older people on the estate. Yeah. Um, and, well, I've found that aspect quite shocking, you know. The, the original communication had a statement on it that was, um, you know, if you need an interpreter, call this number. Yeah. Um. That was in English. There were no other languages. Um, and if you called that number, it was actually the housing call centre where you call for maintenance. I've never heard of them providing interpreters. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, it, I'm finding that aspect. It took me a while to get around to thinking about this, but the, I found that aspect pretty shocking. It sounds it. It sounds like it's been quite badly done. I have to say, um, we're really interested in keeping across this issue and and talking to you and to the others on the estate more as things go on. Unfortunately, we're out of time now. But is there anything? Yep. Is there anything final that you want our listeners to know or to think about um, before we go? Um, mostly just to emphasise again that this is not housing that needs pulling down. Yeah. There may, that may have been in some of the other redevelopments, but, you know, this is solid, comfortable, functional housing and, and beautiful, you know. It's a nice place to live. So 
I think I would like them to think about it again. Well, thanks. Thanks so much, Margaret. It's been really insightful. And, and as I said, we'll keep across that. And there's always the Save Public Housing website for listeners that may want to jump on and have a look at what's happening around our different public housing estates. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for your time. Okay. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks for speaking to me. Thank you so much. Bye. What a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 250 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminuaya Mōbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. And that's all we have time for today. So we'll hear from more news and views from Housing for the Aged Action Group next time. Bye for now.